Jennifer Zapparelli. Weekday morning from 9 on 2FM. So the latest news from Turkey and northern Syria about the earthquake in the area is that the death toll is now almost 16,000. Just think about that for a sec. Lack of shelter, lack of water, fuel, electricity means that there is uh, there's a real fear that many of the survivors will also lose their lives. On the line now is journalist Razan Ibrahim. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Um, thank you for asking. Um, I'm, I'm trying mm. to, to do well. I'm trying my best. Uh, you are an Irish Syrian journalist. Um yeah. What news are you picking up from your home city, which has been struck by this tragedy? Yeah, I am from North uh, Syria, and I have family in Latakia, in Idlib, and also in Aleppo. And these areas have been affected um, by by the earthquake. What I'm currently, it's about eighty hours since the uh, the earthquake, and the chances of people. Uh, still being alive under the rubble is now decreasing dramatically. Every minute yeah. is important. But unfortunately, the situation in North Syria in terms of rescue operations is extremely, extremely slow because there is no infrastructure or machines to do that. People are relying on their neighbors, on their relatives and friends. I know people who are uh, trying to save the people under the rubble by their bare hands. And they used to hear voices for help, calling for help. Now the voices are fading away slowly, slowly. It is beyond um, imagination. The situation is absolutely horrific. Uh, Especially now, I'm going to focus on North Syria in Idlib. Till today, three days after the earthquake, the region hasn't received any aid or any support from anybody. The the borders are closed. I'm reading just now, in the last few minutes, they are saying that the first convoy of aid could possibly arrive to Idlib, which is deeply damaged. And people are in desperate need for food, for water, baby milk, and also for support of the rescue workers who mm. are working against the clock in Idlib and uh, and uh, other parts of Syria. Um, in the last, as well, three days, people did not go back to their homes. They slept rough in the farms, in the countryside, in, in schools and mosques and churches because they are afraid to go back. The, the um, buildings are collapsing, cracks, most of the buildings are cracked now, and people are afraid to go uh, back to their homes. And this is another crisis we will see later on yeah. in weeks that thousands of people are homeless and they don't have uh, homes to go back to. And this is another additional huge issue and problem. One last thing to mention here is that because of the earthquake, the river dams have been affected and there are cracks in many of them. One of them in Idlib, and we are seeing now some of the city, uh, small towns and displaced uh, camps flooded with water. And there is a huge danger that the dams will collapse completely and that will create another 
natural and quite disaster. Razam, will you stay with us for just a second? We have someone on the ground in southern Turkey. Uh, Fawad is on the line, uh, on line two. Fawad Mohammed is the owner and manager of the Living It Cafe, a cafe set up to teach people English. And he and his wife and five-year-old son, Bara, are in the city of Gaziantep in southern Turkey, just about 20 miles from the epicentre of Monday's devastating earthquake. Fawad, good morning. Good morning, uh, I, um, thank you so much for taking the call, first of all. What's it like where you are at the moment? Um, well, as my friend uh, Rosanna just explained, uh, it's pretty disastrous. The case, I think, and as she mentioned, uh, the case in uh, North Syria and in, in uh, on the on the tectonic plates itself that is moving, uh, like the cities of Karam and Marsh, Malatya, Antakya, Hatay, those cities have been <coughs> damaged the most. Uh, in our city, we had two major earthquakes, and uh, the rest has been going on uh, for every two hours, three hours, or four hours. There is a small uh, aftershock. The uh, the government on the spot um, uh, cut off the electricity, uh, power, water, gas, everything, and they um, told people to go out of their houses, go to shelters. People uh, went out to shelters. Uh, some people didn't. Uh, yeah, there is uh, in the city of Gaziantep, it's the second uh, most hosting for Syrian refugees. So many of them started creating camps on the street, using whatever they can find of trees to cut off to start a fire. Um, it's um, when it comes to buildings, I think we have around 200 buildings that went down. Uh, we have friends, uh, students in my place. Uh, they are still under the debris. Um, it's pretty disastrous, but I would like also to explain that it's nothing compared to the cities um, that I mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. especially, for example, Karaman Marsh, which is completely leveled. Um, the whole city is leveled. All that I know in, in, in Karaman Marsh, for example, are missing, either missing or, uh, or yeah, presumably uh, deceased. Where are uh, you and your family living at the moment? We are living in Gaziantep, city of Gaziantep. It's uh, around, I think, 20 kilometers from the first uh, earthquake, mm-hmm. the, the, the main point of the earthquake. Um, it started around two days ago at 4.17 a.m. People were sleeping, and then the earthquake hit, and then buildings started going down. People started going in the street, no plan, just staying in cars. Um, until they figure out what's going on. Can you explain, just, I mean, I've never spoken to anybody who uh, has been through an earthquake, uh, you know, let alone the magnitude of this disaster. Can you just explain um, what it's like to go through something like that? And was there any warning or did you, was there talk of it or anything like that? No, nothing. Look, uh, one day you're just uh, either sleeping or getting ready to sleep. I, I I don't know what happened. I, I woke up at four seven. I woke up a little bit before it, thank God. And then uh, when I went back to my room, I started feeling that the, the house is shaking. And then I didn't like it. Took, it takes you around a couple of minutes to realize actually what's going on. You freeze uh, from panic. They don't know what you're gonna do. I'm living in a in a kind of a tower. I'm living on the third floor in a tower. So I don't know if I should go downstairs or should I go to the balcony. Your first instinct would be to stay somewhere, sit somewhere, freeze. Uh, we ran into my, my son's room. We took him out of the bed, and we didn't even know what to do with him. My wife started just panicking also, standing on the bed. She's not moving. Uh, we didn't 
uh, go on the stairs because I know that the stairs is the most dangerous part in an earthquake. So we stayed in until it stopped, and then we started moving out of the house. It's uh, I cannot really articulate. It's just shocking. It's just you don't know. It's like it's like you cannot control anything. It's like you're a toy in a in a toy house, and everything is moving left and right. It's, Do you know anyone that is still missing? Yeah, of course. Um, a lot of my students, I have an ex-teacher that is still under the debris until now with her sister. Um, I have um, um, I have a family that they just had their baby f- uh, five months ago. And uh, the, the strange thing is that the, the baby was taken out of the debris, but the family hasn't been. Uh, and then uh, I believe that they took all the baby, uh, the babies that they weren't recognized by parents or weren't picked up by parents from the hospital. They took him on an airplane to, uh, I think, Ankara or something. Now, right now, as, as we speak, uh, they, uh, the water company has just announced that the water in, um, in the city is not um, good to be drank yeah. because somehow I think it has some kind of a poison or something mm-hmm. contaminated. Uh, so they also told us don't drink from, uh, from the water. And they said that, uh, the, um, there is, um, an, an entity called FAD, which is, um, uh, responsible for the natural disasters and things like that. They said that they will pass by each and every house to say to people that they can go back to that house or they cannot. We are getting reports that people are trying to leave the city, but it's very difficult. Uh, will you and your family tr- try and leave, do you think? There is um, a huge problem with that also. Uh, the road, the main road to the other cities, it's, uh, the, uh, it's called Adana Road. It has been completely destroyed. Um, so it's also, it's not very safe to be stuck on the road now. Uh, many people are trying. It's like an um, like, um, exodus. Everybody is just moving out of the city. The airport is also, people are piled up in the airport because they also want to leave the country. Uh, so it's, I, I didn't want to because it's also going to lead to another problem. It's very cold here. Um, I didn't want to get my family on the street. Yeah. So yeah, that's the also the other issue. Okay. I just want to go back to Razan, who's still on the line. Uh, Razan, uh, the rescue effort in Turkey has, has come under criticism. What information do we have about just the effectiveness of rescue efforts in Syria? Yeah, I mean, um, as I mentioned, uh, the um, rescue operation in the first hours of any earthquake is critical because uh, this is where we need to get to the people as soon as possible. The time is against us. So the faster we get to the people, the more chance we will see people still alive under the rebels. So that is crucial in any rescue operations. Now, because Syria is extremely divided in politics, and unfortunately, currently, politics is playing a really, really dirty part in terms of the aid and how the aid are arriving. It is a humanitarian crisis, not political. But at the same time, Syrian regime is using that for their political benefit, and they are preventing a lot of the aid uh, to arrive to Syria and also uh, that you, how they are using the aid as well, manipulating, stealing, and, and also the aid are not arriving to the right people. This is extremely, extremely frustrating. And just to mention as well, in North Syria, we have rescue operations from the White Helmets who are doing a phenomenal job, mm. who have been 
uh, working before uh, 12 years on rescue people from airstrikes. So they have some experience and expertise in doing that. But the scale of the, 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 the devastation and destruction is huge. So no matter what they do, they need additional help from outside. Razan, can I ask you, yeah. sorry, do we have any idea yet about how many people are still missing? Uh, hundreds of people. Wow. And uh, I was reading reports on the ground that uh, the death toll more likely to rise more and more, especially as time is passing by and uh, the chance, chances of people still being alive is, is decreasing. And I was reading that hundreds of people still undesirable and we could see, yes, high rise, unfortunately, uh, currently. And, and just to mention as well that the rescue operation in some of the regime controlled area is, is beyond uh, imagination, really little rescue operations. People are using their bare hands, as I mentioned, to do that. And there is no real response. And that's expected, you know, for 12 years from the regime, mm. no value of a human being or, or a human um, a human side of any, any nature of the conflict. Unfortunately, this is playing a huge role and people are extremely frustrated as you know they should be. 11 years of conflict and then something like this happens. I, I mean, how does it feel as a Syrian living here in Ireland just to see the way a, a tragic story like this is, is seen through yeah. the Irish eyes? It's, it's beyond. I really can't tell you how this earthquake and the devastation shattered every, any single small hope that it was in the heart of any Syrian. You know, 12 years of destruction, of poverty, of war, people lost their families. Um, it's, it's just a traumatic tragedy for 12 years. Um, and to have this on top of everything, which is more devastation, more destruction, is beyond. And what always, like in, in the last 12 years, Syrians have felt they were neglected. Yeah. Uh, there was no international political will to stand up and say, this is crime against the humanity. Let's stop that. Let's do something and help the people. It hasn't been done for 12 years. And now we have this huge crisis, um, which it is creating frustration from the people because it is being used politically. And this is extremely, extremely unfair to the people on the ground who are not political. They are normal, ordinary Syrian people. They don't belong to anything, just they belong to the land of Syria and they deserve to have um, dignity, safety, and, and basic normal human life rights. Like anybody else. Basic Absolutely. human rights. Razan, there's a lot of people listening, a lot of texts coming in on 51552, Irish people feeling incredibly helpless. Uh, what can we do? It's a really important question, and it is difficult to answer as well. Uh, because, as I said, there is a lot of politics on the ground. So for, from my personal um, opinion and also experience for 12 years, I am extremely careful when I do my donation and when I'm going to send these donations to. Um, 
that's why when I want to send donations, I, in this especially critical crisis and highly political crisis as well, unfortunately, I would go to uh, NGOs who are on the ground and who have been for years in the Syrian conflict trying to help and support Syrians across spectrum, across religion and backgrounds. Uh, UNICEF, I would say something, um, um, UNICEF organization, NGO, uh, some Irish-based, like Irish uh, Red Cross, uh, Troshka, um, Concern, and other organizations okay. on the ground. That would be something I would be, you know, Good in advice. favor of. Okay. Absolutely. But at the same time, I have my personal connection with the people on the ground, and I do as well try to help on the personal level uh, regarding that. Uh, Razine Ibrahim, thank you so much for taking our call. And we'll also, uh, I just want to say thanks to Fawad who joined us live from, live from the city of Gaziantep in southern Turkey. As you heard, he's just uh, 20 miles from the epicentre of Monday's devastating earthquake. I mean, it is just an ongoing, horrific story. And it's not going anywhere. We will keep in touch with Fawad and his family to keep you updated on his experience and the continued rescue and recovery efforts across southern Turkey and Syria. And we'll be back right after this. Thank you. RTE.